You're listening to IoT Leaders, a podcast from SI that shares real IoT stories from the field about digital transformation swings and misses, lessons learned, and innovation strategies that work. In each episode, you'll hear our conversations with top digitization leaders on how IoT is changing the world for the better. Let IoT Leaders be your guide to IoT, digital transformation, and innovation. Let's get into the show. So welcome to the IoT Leaders podcast with me, your host, Nick Earl, CEO of SI. And I'm delighted to be joined this week by Pete Curley, who is the UK Managing Director of Everon. Now, we'll get a lot more into Everon and what they do, but at the top line, this is about IoT making a difference in the community and particularly around assisted living and bringing the worlds of social care and healthcare together. And uh, it's a very, very good story. It really is something that we can all resonate with, and I think you'll really enjoy it. So Pete, with that intro, uh, welcome to the IoT Leaders Podcast. Thank you, Nick. Nice to be here. Nice to have the opportunity to speak. Absolutely. And, and, you know, for our uh, listeners, subscribers, we were going to record this about three, four weeks ago. It was all set up and then we didn't because you gave me a very good reason why you couldn't record. And uh, if you don't mind, maybe we could start there because you've just done something really wonderful, I think. And it's something which I, I uh, really admire you for. So maybe you can, because you've been on a bit of a trip, haven't you? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Myself and two colleagues, we drove a three and a half ton van with aid, medical aid down to the Ukraine border to support the troops locally. And also uh, part of the stock we took down was were, were hospital ventilators, which was much needed after some of the hospitals being bombed and equipment being destroyed. But yeah, it was a worthwhile trip. It was, we worked out we were in the van for 54 hours together. So we got to know each other extremely well. You probably, you probably uh, got, got to know a little bit more about people than you. you yeah, know. yeah, we do. Yeah, some good, some bad. But yeah. um, but no, all seriousness, it was, a, it was a worthwhile trip. And we crowdfunded, we've raised over 11,500 pounds. So we financed four trips since, and we will probably be financing several trips more over the coming weeks. Well, so, you know, it's, the response has been, been fantastic. Yeah. It's such yeah. a terrible situation. And to do something tangible like that, I think you have everyone's admiration. I know those ventilators, I'm sure, were put to use pretty quickly, weren't they? They, they were indeed. We, we got pictures back within 24 hours, and there was a, a one-month-old baby on one of those ventilators, which which brings it home and, you say, makes it... Yeah. Tangible. So well, yeah, well, well done again. And actually, you know, I guess one of the reasons you did it is that you know health and care in the community and is at the heart of of what Everon does. It's what you've done for many years, twenty five years, I believe. So maybe we could start there and uh, just say a little bit about what Everon do and and uh, and your background before we actually uh, get into the IoT part. No, sure. My background is that I've been in health and social care. It's actually over 30 years, Nick. I've looked, oh, okay. um, I'll, I'll take the 25. It's going to be blind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just out of university um, myself, by the way. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and, and, and I started back in the day when social alarms, I, probably when everybody will remember a pendant around the neck, press a pendant, calls for help over a, a landline, telephone line. Well, that, you know, that model has been around for 35 years. So I've worked with the market leaders in that. And I guess 
the market attracted me because it was actually making a difference to people's lives. And so I've, I've stayed in the industry because it is a lovely industry, mainly working with public sector to deploy such projects. And the big move for me came two years ago when I, when I joined Evron because their offering is very different. They're based in Finland with operations in Sweden and the Nordics generally are very well respected for their models of care. Yeah. And they've always delivered digital solutions. They've never sent an analog solution since they started in 2000. Yeah, they were, I mean, they were the leaders, you know, a whole wireless, uh, mobile yeah. phones, Nokia, Sony Ericsson. Yeah. I mean, they've been at the forefront for Abs- 30 years. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, that's, it's a very different model that's been in the UK for a long, long time. And it's a, the model within the UK is very reactive which means that somebody presses a button or there's a sensor that picks up when something has happened. So, for instance, fall detectors, they're picking up a fall and sending, sending a message when it's too late. You know, yeah. the person's had the fall and they end up eight times out of ten within the secondary care arena. So a huge cost to, to the health authorities. Whereas what we're trying to do is deliver a proactive service where we use artificial intelligence to detect Lots of visits to the toilet, for instance, uh, where there could be a bladder infection. We can detect somebody leaving a property at preset hours where there's early set on dementia. So it can raise an alert as soon as they leave the property and then the appropriate pathway can be deployed. And it detects falls and slumps and it will build, the technology will build a pattern of daily living and any, any deviations from that can raise an alert. So it's it's really about, yeah, as, I say, as I said earlier, is developing that proactive service so we can get to people before they become a burden to the health and social care arena. You know, it's interesting that on a previous podcast, we talked about um, another Nordic company, Essity, which some of our regular listeners, as they say, will know what I'm about to say, but the world's second largest paper company, but they actually, because they make paper, they make uh, nappies or diapers and uh-huh. And they do the, for the, you talk about urinary tract infections for care homes, the idea of sensing changes in the chemical constituents of the urine yeah. uh, for residents and therefore giving alert before the patient actually feels uncomfortable to actually send the doctor to them so you can anticipate it. But that's one very narrow thing, a very important thing, because somebody at that age, when they then go into hospital, A, it can be pretty serious. B, they can often catch something in hospital or fall out of bed yep. themselves. Yep. It has massive implications. It's a, it's a billion a year uh, segment, the elderly uh, sort of incontinence market, as it's called. But it's a very narrow one. But what you, you are describing is actually more ambitious. And that's the idea of uh, an AI model that tracks personalized behavior. And it's sort of, a, it's almost more like the security industry where you do anomaly detection behavior but it's based on an individual, not a device. It's not like the device is transmitting more data than it should do, or the device is sending something to an IP address that yeah. shouldn't yeah. be able to see. By the way, we <laughs> we see lots of that. We've had a device that was uh, uh, sending data to China recently, and uh, it didn't say in the spec it sent data to China. I'm, I'm sure that was just a coincidence. But anyway, but you know, it's it, the security industry is around the device. You, you're doing almost like a personalized behavior model of what, what is the definition of normal behavior for individuals? Yeah. Well, it, it's a, that's a very good point because, you know, the market up until now has been almost a one size fits all. You get this technology and that's it. But 
you know, there are people living within supported housing environments that have very different needs. And sometimes their needs get better, so their conditions will improve and they don't need so much technology. And sometimes they will deteriorate and very quickly. And that's why our technology is designed to be able to deploy. So what you described with, with the NAPI, we've also got another relationship with a company called Accurate that has an electronic mug that detects how much liquid is is, is, is actually taken by, by the residents. So you can monitor hydration. And it's really building a package around the, the, the person rather than just saying this is the technology and this is the solution. And that's the, that, that, that's the way forward. So it's a, you know, our proposition is more service-led than technology-led. Yeah. And, it's got, and it's got to be very bespoke to, to, to those individuals. You know, it's a sort of a people-centric IoT model. It's more, yeah. like it's yeah. thinking like almost IOP, the Internet of People. Yeah. What, yeah. what some of the other things that we've uh, been talking about in this series are around um, healthcare, smart healthcare, and devices. But you know, you're also aiming for a completely different demographic. If you take something like the Apple Watch or you know other offerings, they're sort of aimed towards, frankly, the healthy people wanting to monitor their fitness or their size, yeah. and they communicate. Yeah. They communicate to the phone and then you get all your data or even, sure, you know, I've, sure. got, I've got some smart scales. Yeah. I'm sure, I, sure I overpaid for, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I can, I can track my body mass index. I don't know what it means, but I can track it. And it's, it goes up and down. I have no idea why it goes up or down. It seems to be unrelated to my lifestyle, but it does, but it's, it's, I'm using it as a healthy person who is just curious. You're actually applying these capabilities to people who actually are not, IT savvy, they're not IT literate, they no. don't like technology, they didn't grow up yeah. you know, with technology, they're all saying that technology is only technology if you were born before it was invented. So sure. for my kids, or at least anyone born after 2007, the iPhone isn't technology because it was always there. Yeah. But for this, this group of people, I'm sure they're not all towards the end of life, but a lot of them, it's technology and they're not natural technology users. So maybe you can talk through how you do it. And then from there, we'll get into what the benefits are in particular of bringing these two worlds together that you've mentioned social care and you've mentioned health and the stereotypes. Yeah, indeed. The years of bureaucracy almost. Yeah, uh, yeah. uh, The analog digital. So first of all, let's start with how do you do that? So we deploy what we term a hub into people's homes. and, And that is a unit that sits on the wall and it has the capability of placing a call on a system and the, the residents can speak to the, the manager of, 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 of the, the supported housing or it can go through to a control centre and they can, they can talk to those individuals and respond to their needs. And our commissioners will have locally agreed pathways around that call process. We then have the ability to add peripherals such as bed sensors share sensors, fall detectors, and, you know, if, if they trigger a call, it's, it's put through the hub, which identifies the root cause. <clears throat> and again, the locally agreed pathways will, will, will take over. What we're, we're now doing is supporting that technology by the use of cameras, polymorphic sensors. So, so it looks exactly like a camera, but it's, and it's monitoring a room or a house, and you can monitor specific areas as doors, areas in, in the living room where they may fall, their bed, side tables, et cetera, et cetera. And it will 
and it will detect and build a pattern of, of, of active daily living. And as I said earlier, any deviations from that will we'll, we'll place a, a call onto the system. If I can jump in, I'm uh, yeah. glad you uh, explained polymorphic sensors. I It's not a word I, I use every day. But I'm going to assume that a lot of people don't know what a polymorphic sensor is. But essentially, am I right that you're sort of anonymizing, you're, you're tracking the thing without yeah. recording the thing? Is, is, that, is that a good way? Of putting it? Absolutely. In simple terms, the, 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 it's converting the image of the resident into a stick person. So it's, it's not filming. There's no, there's no recording of what's happening. It's literally just monitoring the, the movement and converting that into, into data. And so there's, in, in terms of any privacy, there's no concerns around that pri- privacy. And nobody can go into that camera. And it's all very, very secure. So you also were talking about the ability to sort of have a modular approach to add things on bed sensors, yeah. door sensors, yeah. Is the kettle switched on? I guess your earlier example, are they drinking enough? Yeah. So it, it, you're actually an AI company. It's interesting, you know, sort of what sort of company is Eberron. I know this, the segment that you're in, the community care broadly, but you're really, your your secret source, your, your IP appears to be this AI software layer model. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the ability to then add on partners, I guess, yeah. people who are maybe listening to this and say, well, I make a, a device that, that that does this, I make a device, and then this idea of a, almost like an SDK or an open interface into yeah. your platform. Yeah, no, absolutely. This market has been criticized for years. The fact that it's not open, interoperability is a, is a big problem. But now, you know, we are particularly keen to identify strategic partners that can add value to our proposition. So if there is anybody watching that think, there may be an opportunity. I'll be more than happy to have a discussion. But yeah, the our platform is open. We have APIs and the ability to push and pull data, which is absolutely key when you when, when you want health and social care to to work together. To you've got to position them to make a, a more of a take a more of a holistic view on personalised care. So for that, they need data. They need their, their, their maybe even their housing data definitely health, definitely social care, and maybe even medical records as well. So I think in quarter three this year, we're releasing new software that will uh, enhance our hubs to take medical devices, vital sign monitoring. So just to give you a flavor, that would be blood sugar, blood oxygen, blood pressure, weight, and temperature. So the key, the key indicators to identify an exacerbation of a, of a particular condition but, you know, if you look at the most costly conditions to the NHS, that's COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Then you've got chronic heart disease, you've got diabetes. And, you know, all of those can be monitored remotely with the objective of reducing unplanned admissions into secondary care. So- and, and the more you can, as they say in the old cowboy movies, head it off at the pass. Uh, rather yeah. than deal with it after absolutely that. The, yeah. the, the benefits for the individual are huge but the benefits for the whole ecosystem and the cost and you mentioned the nhs and the yeah what, by the way so if i can do a quick shameless advertorial of course we bring people onto our podcast who are a member of the si family so it is worth saying that that we of course we're very familiar with you as a as a customer of ours thank you for being a, a customer and we helped you with the device and the connectivity 
and optimizing all of this and bringing your ideas to reality. And it's something no, we uh, are continuing to do as you go on this journey. Yeah, no, I think it's been a very good partnership. You know, we've enjoyed working with you. And, you know, the key there is that we are the only cellular solution in groups living in the UK. And, uh, you know, cellular in, in the Nordics has, has it's been an accepted medium for, for, for many a time. But, yeah, it, it's, it, it's proven very successful for us. So, uh, so that's good. And there's a government, thank you, and there's a government, I mean, fr- frankly, there is a national initiative, isn't it? I mean, we have listeners all over the world. It, 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 I get some very interesting emails from, and LinkedIn requests, lots of LinkedIn requests from people who say, oh, listen to your podcast, can we connect? But the, so it's not just UK, but the UK is going through this digital switchover, isn't it? And, and that, that has actually, I think, been a trigger for, your, for the opportunity that you face because it, we're going from analog to digital anyway, which is a big thing that the government's driving, which then sets the sort of base foundational framework. And then you're, you're, you're saying, well, now we're going to use cellular and not rely, for instance, the Bluetooth to the, smart, to the smartphone, smart device. Yeah. Yeah. Because, as we said earlier in your segment, that's great, but these people won't use it. So there is this national switchover, isn't there? There is. OpenReach um, and BT have a program of upgrading all of their exchanges. I think the target date is 2025. So you know, there are 1.8 million users, users of assisted living solutions in the UK. So, and, and the majority of those are on analog solutions. So they will have to be upgraded before 2025. Most, no, all of them will be hardwired systems. So hardwired systems are. Uh, so, yeah, so the, the digital switchover, I mean, the, the numbers that you quoted are enormous. I mean, the addressable market is absolutely huge. Yeah, it is. But, but it seems to me, it seems obvious that. But it's not like an ordinary, an ordinary, you know, SaaS company startup. The addressable market is tens of millions or, or whatever it is. The fact is that some of the barriers, most it would seem to me, the barriers that you face on adoption are often to do with siloed bureaucracy, the way public, you know, care in the community works. Yeah. I mean, how, the, the, you know, people, you have to connect a lot of people who aren't used to collaborating with each other. Data gets sent between each other serially. It might yeah. get there, it might not. You're actually describing a new world of sharing and and just at the highest level, social and health, they're completely separated. Yeah, they are indeed. And, you know, uh, the government have wanted them to get closer and, you know, get, get close where they're actually sharing the tea, coffee and biscuits. And that's never really happened. But certainly I've seen a, I've seen I've seen a change definitely in London, definitely, definitely in Scotland and the bigger authorities like Birmingham, where they are now working together and planning together and actually sharing some budgets. So I, I can I can see that 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 changing enormously. Yeah, it, 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 it's an interesting time. Um, you, you talk about barriers. I, I think one of the barriers is that our solution is so far ahead of what has been the traditional model. It's, all, it's almost, it's not quite concept selling, but it's almost yeah. you know, an educational process yeah. to, 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 to demonstrate what can be achieved by deploying digital solutions. Yeah. Which they, and they've never had that before. So, so it's, it's, it's really interesting, but it's really enjoyable because you see people sitting there and then suddenly the, the like, light bulb switches on and, and they really get into it. So oh yeah, you say things like, so this means that 
instead of doing this, I can yeah. do that, or I just receive yeah. that. Yeah, and that light bulb moment. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I'll give you a good example. We've just won. We were very fortunate early on to win a contract with Clarion Homes, and that's upgrading 200 supported housing schemes. I think it's a total of 6,000 residents over a period of 10 years, and it's it's very very good for us. But their big one of their I had several drivers. Their biggest driver was every month they refer to their scheme managers, live smart managers. That live smart manager had to go around and test, physically test the scheme once a month. So it took a whole day. So immediately by using our technology, because it is digital, because it's online and you can see if there's a problem and it alerts them immediately, it saved them 200 days a month and they could sort of divert that resource to other things. Yeah. And I'm going to, I was, Peter, I was going to actually refer to that because I was thinking, okay, it's really obvious. I mean, at a, at a, even at a personal level, you think, well, this is obvious. Why hasn't it happened so far? I mean, it is really obvious and a great use of IoT. But then you think, well, who do you sell it to? Who's got the budget? Who makes yeah. the decision? And so in your, you're bringing together different groups, different government departments, councils yep. there in the community. So if that's not difficult enough, and then you have to say everyone's looking at each other wondering who's going to pay for it. But so finding the ROI, the, the personal ROI, which this is really good for the patient is obvious, but finding the financial ROI is key. And is that it was that the key perhaps in this Clarion uh, contract was to say you needed to show them, but the, in this case you saved you said that process saving that you talked about, they could divert the funds. I mean, finding the financial ROI in terms that they understand must, must yeah. be a big part of your business. No, it, it, it is. And yes, that was part of the decision process that, that Clarion took. But also, I think, you know, they are managing a lot, you know, they have a huge assets across the whole of the UK. From a housing perspective, they're one of the largest housing providers in England. So being able to manage those assets remotely was really key. I think for me, you know, every, 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 every local authority has a duty of care and provides technology within supported living environments. The big thing for me, talking about ROI, will be when we deploy our telehealth, as I described earlier. So being able to monitor people in their own homes, their vital signs. If you think if you think every GP knows what I term as a frequent flyer, so that will be somebody with, let, let's suggest a COPD doesn't manage the condition very well, and will go into hospital five times a year for maybe up to five, five, six, maybe more nights. So you know, an average hospital visit, an average hospital will be fifteen hundred pounds. So we know that by monitoring a, a COPD patient picking up on an early indicator, which is normally temperature. I've seen a slight incline in their temperature. And then, you know, we will, we will have a locally agreed pathway with the, with the GP. But, but just by saying to them, take your rescue medicine pack, they'll take that, which will be antibiotics. And that is the job done. Then nine times out of 10, that will be end of, the end of that exacerbation. So, you know, the real return for me, and we're talking millions, will be within the health arena. Do you think that COVID has accelerated the understanding of this? And what I mean by that is COVID clearly put a lot of pressure on hospitals yeah. to free up the beds. Yeah. And Absolutely. so 
what you're describing is the fact that people never get into the bed in the first place. You know, yeah. you don't need yeah. the fire visits. So do you think to some extent COVID has, has accelerated the adoption of this technology? There is absolutely no doubt. You know, it's, it's changed the mindset of, of the clinical arena, even down to the GP. You know, when, when, when did you, previous to two years ago, when did you get a remote consultation from a GP? You couldn't. My, my, my GP, I've talked about this from the previous podcast. I couldn't. And my GP, and I live in a you know, nice part of the world, in, a, in an advanced country, UK. But, but the, my experience of going to a GP was not only did I have to go to the GP, but actually you had to get there. It opened at 8.30 in the morning. You had to get there about 10 past eight to join the queue of people yeah. who actually go in and say, can I have an appointment, please? Yeah. So you stood outside with people who were sick in the winter, <laughs> and it was raining, and there, yeah. wasn't, a, and there yeah. wasn't a cover. I mean, it's great. Yeah. You drive past it, it'd be a line of line of people, you know. Yeah, no, indeed. Can indeed. I have an appointment, please? Oh, well, yeah. um, he's, he or she isn't free. I mean, I was sit in the waiting room, and we'll call you. Now, it's, can I have an appointment? Yeah, the, the doctor will call you back, or would yeah. you like a video? And that was all obvious a few years ago. I mean, yeah, no, indeed. Completely, but, completely possible, but COVID made it happen. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. Another example of, of the benefits of our technology and the partnership with yourselves was that when COVID broke, you know, they, 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 they were developing these and deploying these temporary hospitals. Yeah. So they, NHS Digital, were looking for solutions that could be installed by the nursing staff. They didn't want engineers in those in those environments potentially bringing in infection and so we we ended up installing into seven temporary hospitals across hampshire and dorset because it was cellular based because it just plugs into the to the mains so we had the kit delivered we had an engineer sitting outside in the van and the nursing staff were were installing all of the units all of the hubs in each room and deploying the pendants to, to, to the patients. So we could see the units coming online, and then we could also see if, if, if there was any issues with, 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 with coming online for some of the units. But it, it worked really, really well. And you know they were deployed for six months. They were used as temporary bed space to get people out of the hospital before they went home. And what that has done is raised our profile within a NHS Digital, and we're now running a couple of other projects with them on, on the similar basis. So, you know, it, it, it's amazing how COVID has suddenly pushed things forward. I, I would say, for, you know, something that would normally take another five to 10 years. And maybe more. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it's suddenly let forward. I mean, we're not going to go backwards. We have another client in a similar arena, and at some point you guys will no doubt be partnering in the U.S., of course, it's a different system in the US. You have the clinics and the hospitals, which are yeah. profit centers in their own right. But they are the first people to create, you talk about cellular, cellular connected medical grade devices. So the way they do it is they're called telehealth. Also have another company called AccuHealth. But the they've created the world's first cellular enabled instrument. So like an SPO2, a blood, blood pressure and whatever. And so the idea is that you may be in a hospital bed for a day or two, and then you go home and they say, go to Walmart or Walgreens or, yep. or whatever, CVS, and ask them for this box and, insert and get it. And yep. you know, inside yep. the box are six medical instruments that you normally only find in a hospital. 
and instructions. And when you switch it on and, and they connect cellular, now in their case, they, they go to telehealth. And again, it's a similar AI engine, which gives the data to the clinician so the clinician can make certain, uh, decisions on it. But in both cases, yourselves and their selves, what they need is ubiquitous, i.e. out of the box, single button press, 100% connectivity. Absolutely. So all of these things have, have been great in theory. This is my, my second little advertorial. Some of these things have been great in theory, but if you're getting 92% connectivity in your field, that's 8% of people that you can't monitor. Sure. And so the implications, if you're selling coffee, of yep. 8%, cups, 8% of your cups of coffee, if you're monitoring people, there's a much bigger implication. So sure. in both cases, the idea of you know what we offer, 100% global connectivity from a single SIM, is really important because you don't want to worry about that, do you? You, you just want it... Oh, absolutely not. You yeah, know? no, absolutely yeah. not. It's got to be. And it works. And, 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 and that model you described in America is definitely the way we have to move in the UK. Yeah, yeah. definitely. The way. that way. I think it's... It'll take time, but you're actually one of the disruptors, so to speak. Let's try and um, bring it to a a conclusion. It's a very exciting area, polymorphic sensors, internet of people, monitoring things, bringing uh, health and social care together, predicting anomaly detection behavior applied to elderly people. Sure. Very exciting. Any over and above rolling out your current solution to more locations, homes, is the big push for you guys now sort of this platform thing we talked about right at the beginning, the idea of there's a whole world of ecosystem partners, a whole world of people. I mean, we see them, yeah. not thousands of companies that make products that, you know, they, we could measure everything, you know, how often you, as I said, put the kettle on, but you talk about drinking, opening the fridge. I mean, there's, yeah. there's no shortage of things that can measure behavior and, and wearable devices as well. So yeah. is, is that your sort of strategy is to have a sort of open platform with, with, uh, to allow people to plug in on top? So in effect, enable them to create a recurring revenue stream on top of your platform? And you, yeah, absolutely. Win, the home, you win the home, you have the platform, and then they can clip onto it and create a recurring, sort of like the iPhone and the apps. Yeah, yeah, no, sure. Yeah. In existing living space. That's a good analogy. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly it. But I think the other big driver for me is, you know, because the of the reactive serve the, the reactive model that we have, you know, all the service the services that are delivered by I think it's 145 control centres around the UK, some privately owned, some run by local authorities. They have staff sitting there waiting for a call to come in because when someone's fallen, they press the pen yeah, and yeah, help comes in. Yeah. yeah. What we've, what are, what my one of my big objectives is, is to change that model to be for, to be uh, reactive, proactive. Yeah, definitely. And, and analyzing data rather than just waiting for a phone call to say, "Pete's fallen." Looking at data, predictive data, and then providing interventions appropriate at, at a time before it becomes an issue. And the other thing we've got to do as a business is, uh, I think I touched on it earlier, is that that people suddenly their condition suddenly deteriorates. So we have to be agile as a business to be able to deploy the appropriate sensor or technology or service to, to meet that, that, that need. 
And we've got to be able to say to our, our people, look, your resident is now not needing that te technology. We can take it back. And they have it on a rental basis rather yeah. than forcing them to, yeah. to buy it and, you know. Yeah. Take the barriers away and, yeah. and move it around. Yeah. Endless possibilities and, and, a, and a great story. Well, it's, it's a real use case, but a great human, at the human level, a great story is one we can all relate to. I mean, you know, we all, we're all getting older and, 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 we, and health issues and relatives. And it's really the promise of IoT that, to make a change in people's lives. Uh, yeah. for the better and communities. And, and just a final point, you mentioned the UK. Of course, the demand for this in outside of Western countries is also, we do a huge amount in Africa, as, a, as I think you know. We sure. uh, sure. do fresh water and light and whatever to millions of people in Africa using IoT and helping design solutions for, for that. But, but the healthcare arena, you're starting from a much further point back. Any final thoughts on global applicability. I know you're focusing on the UK right now and you talk about Nordic, your parent company, Nordic. Yeah. But yeah. really, the if we're really talking about changing the world, the ability to allow emerging countries to leapfrog, it would yeah. seem to me to be an unbelievable prize. So the big prize would be if we could apply this to third world emerging markets seems to be like the, the huge prize. And, and so it's not just a Western country opportunity, is it? No, not at all. It's a worldwide model, and you know, Everon Group is ambitious. Obviously, the UK has an immediate objective to meet the the, the need of the upgrade for the digital platform. But yes, I I, I think group wide will be planning to look to deploy elsewhere. Right. It's uh, any more finally any more trips planned in the van with your buddies? Yeah, I think we'll be going down in a couple of weeks for another one over a weekend. So yeah, I mean we've. Hooked up with a, a local charity in it's the Canterbury and Ashford, Kent, Ukraine Appeal, run by a young Ukrainian lady who does all the logistics. We just provide the resource and the finance to to get the the, the A down there. So it's a it's a it's a good match, and it's nice to see the results of the hard work. For any of our listeners, if they wanted to help you financially, just to so you can you know deliver a few more ventilators or do a few more trips in the van, the boys in the van for 50 yeah. hours or whatever it was you said. Sure. Is there somewhere they could, just a website they can go to just to uh, contribute? There is a Just Giving page and it's a, it's a Ukraine appeal. And, and I think, you know, the amazing thing is, Nick, we, we asked for two and a half thousand, two and a half thousand pounds initially. We just wanted to do the one trip and we've raised 11 and a half. It's fantastic. So, you know, it, 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 it's all going to, to a good cause. But yes, yeah, a Just Giving page I think I think it's called. And I, I I didn't realize you're going to ask me this, so you've caught me on the hop. I believe it's the Pete, John, and Clive appeal, the Ukraine road trip. So um, I'm sure people will find it. Sounds like a film script. Pete, John, and Clive, justgiving.com, Ukraine appeal. I'm sure there's enough information there for our. There is. They'll find it. Savvy yes. audience to find yeah, it. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And really talk about making a living in people's lives. Not through technology in this case, but actually just through basic humanitarian caring. And it's a wonderful thing. So well done again. Thank Pete, you. We're going to um, leave it there. It's been very, very interesting. I, I'm, uh, I suspect you might be a, a repeat guest because I think <laughs> that in the future, there's so much potential for yeah. this. And as I said, I think there's uh, so many different partners who can say, well, if you've solved that problem... Can I clip onto it and, yep. and build the ecosystem on top, which is what this is all about. So 
Thank you for joining me. Thank you to our listeners. As you know, this has been the IoT Leaders Podcast. If you want to do get in touch with me, I don't have a, the Just Giving page, but you can actually find me on LinkedIn, Nick, Nick Earl, and you can send me uh, messages and suggestions as many of you are doing. But in the meantime, thank you to my guest, Pete Curley, who runs Everon in the UK. It's such a really great story about how IT is making a difference in people's lives and indeed what it could do going forward, not just in the UK, but globally. So with that, thank you for listening. And I look forward to talking to you. Thank you, Nick. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to IoT Leaders, a podcast brought to you by SI. Our team delivers innovative global IoT cellular connectivity solutions that just work, helping our customers deploy differentiated experiences and disrupt their markets. Learn more at SI.com. You've been listening to IoT Leaders, featuring digitization leadership on the front lines of IoT. Our vision for this podcast is to be your guide to IoT and digital disruption, helping you to plot the right route to success. We hope today's lessons, stories, strategies, and insights have changed your vision of IoT. Let us know how we're doing by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and recommending us. Thanks for listening. Until next time.